Welcome to the Next Gen Podcast. Stepping up to the microphone are your hosts, Bryson Wright and Alex Winton. They got next, so let's get to the show. Hello and welcome into the Next Gen Podcast here on the Bluff City Media Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Bryson Wright, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Winton. And we got a lot to get into this week after the Grizzlies have fallen down to one and seven. Uh, we're going to be talking about like a lot of the reasons why they have gotten to this point, talking about uh, the addition of Bismack Biombo and some of the roster changes that might happen because of that, uh, and also the wing position as a whole, just because that's something we've been talking about the whole preseason. Uh, so talking about the wing position and how they probably need to get a little bit more from there and everything going forward. Uh, but got to start Grizzly since the last time we had a pod uh, went one and two, one of those losses to the Trailblazers, the other one to the Miami Heat. Uh, all, all three of those games ended up being really, really close with that first Trailblazers game going into overtime. The second one, the Grizzlies needing a big fourth quarter, especially from Desmond Bain to kind of close it out. And then against Miami, Really fought to the end, had a chance near the end of the game, but just some defensive miscues and miscommunications down the stretch really is what messed them up. Uh, and some questionable foul calls. I never really blamed the refs completely. I don't know if it was completely on the refs, but, you know, some questionable foul calls at that end with the already problematic defense the Grizzlies have been playing for a lot of the season. I will say, uh, as a positive, the last three games, I do think the Grizzlies' defense has been a little bit better, at least than the giving up the most threes in most threes in the NBA over the first five games. I think it has gotten better, and I do think that even though their defense can still get better, I'm saying the last three games they've defended well enough to win. Uh, but it just comes down on the offensive end; they've got to find offense from somebody other than Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain because they just can't find that consistently. And then even when you do finally get some offense, a little bit of a spark off the bench uh, that you did get from Luke Kennard in that game against the Heat, Bain has his worst game of the season, even though Jaron, I still felt, felt like played pretty well in that second half, came out in the second half and played pretty well. But he got also got off to a slow start as well. Uh, it's going to be really hard for the Grizzlies as currently constructed uh, with, you know, John Morant being suspended and all the injuries to win games when Desmond Bain isn't on uh, or when Jaron Jackson Jr. has a bad first half. So it's one of those things where I think both of them, not to say they have the blame, but I think they're just, they're, they're kind of getting used to being the top dogs on the team. Uh, Desmond Bain is definitely still getting used to getting the best defender on the other team on a nightly basis and being the number one person in the scout. I think that's really what you saw from Miami. Uh, especially like they just came out. They were not giving Desmond Bain any space at all. They were face guarding him the entire game, basically. And Jimmy, they had Jimmy Butler on him at times. I thought Jimmy Butler did a really good job the entire game on him and really just really just made it hard for Des to get any kind of open space. Uh, and then it, it didn't seem like the Grizzlies, I felt like they could have done a little bit better to run some more plays off the ball to get Bain open a little bit more instead of making him the primary ball handler because he's just not really used to doing that yet. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a lot of things you can get to over the start. I will toss it over to you and see what you got to say just for a quick opening before we get a little bit deeper. 
Yeah. Um, well, to start, it's good that the Grizzlies got a win to start. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, you didn't want to build a deeper hole than you already were in at 0 and 6. And obviously, that first Portland game, they basically were up, I can't remember, maybe like 10, like with like maybe like two minutes to go, and they just blew it. Now, granted, I will say there were a couple calls that, again, I don't like blaming the refs. Like you said, I don't like blaming the refs either. But there were a couple calls where I feel like it's like those were swing calls, and I felt like those were bad calls. And they couldn't challenge it because I think they were already out of challenges at that point to some extent. Um, and so it kind of, I want to say flipped the momentum, but it obviously shifted it a little bit. And then going into overtime, I felt like they didn't really have enough because, again, like I've talked about, the margin of error is very slim. So like you said, any little thing, whereas you have a bad bang game or a bad Jaren half or a bad game or even a bad game from Smart, like you just can't afford it. You basically have to be not perfect, but damn near perfect to win a game. And so it's kind of just very hard to uh, sustain that um, because, again, it's just, you know, you just sometimes you just, it, it, you know, mistakes are going to happen. Uh, but it was good for them to see them win that second Portland game um, because, again, even in that game, they were down, I think, like maybe like eight or, the, or like 12 or 10 or like four or five minutes to go, and they went on like a 26-2 to run. Um, and obviously that was good. I think, you know, I felt like that win helped them kind of get, I want to say, you know, I felt like a weight off their shoulders probably in a sense because they felt like, you know, they, they're, they're doing a lot of different good stuff or, you know, in practice and things of that nature. But, you know, because they've been close to most of these games. They just haven't been able to win them. And so I think, you know, for that to happen, um, it really helped them out, you know, feel more relief. And that's why I think in that Wednesday game – or not Wednesday game, but Monday game, they played a lot – or no, Wednesday game, they played a lot better. Um, again, like you said, the calls in that Miami game were kind of in. Like, I mean, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Bam got like 16 free throws, which I think was like a season high or not even season high, but like almost a career high. Like, and I granted – some of them were fouls, but I do feel like the the foul, the amount of fouls called both ways was messing up the flow of the game. And if for a team that already can't find their offensive flow, that kind of just messes them up even more when they, you know, you have a stoppage every other possession. Um, so you know, I felt like that kind of just messed them up. And also, like you said, I mean, the main thing I'm gonna keep saying is just offense. Like defense has been fine to me. I think the defense has been there. Really, has been any problems? They haven't really been getting killed on the boards like maybe they'll get out rebounded but it's only by like two or three it's not really a big deal but the problem is and they're forcing turnovers i mean smart average like three steals a game bain average like two and a half like they're getting stops and stuff like that but they just do not have enough offense to get it done like they're still i think 20 or 30 or 29th in offense like you just like and i think they've only scored like 110 points like one time I think that's the one time they won. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're just not going to win many games as simple as that to withstand all this. Like, you can defend all you want, but you have to score points at some point, at least at an average competent rate. And they're doing it at a below average rate, whether that's from a point standpoint, a percentage standpoint, it doesn't matter. You could go look at a line, and they're probably close to bottom half of the league in all of them, whether it's three-point percentage, field goal percentage. Like, so they got to fix that, or else they're just not – they're going to continue to be in this hole. Um, So, you know, they got to find offense – from different ways where you said like said more stuff for Bain might be an option. Maybe for Kennard might be an option. Try to get out and transition more. Like you got to find a little stuff that can increase your margin of error. Cause it's already non-existent with the injuries and how the roster set up. So, you know, you really have to find anything that you can uh, to give you an advantage. So, but I mean, I'm glad they got to win. Uh, but again, they still have a lot of work to do to get to where, you know, to get back into the picture of 
play. I mean, what they're one and seven, and I think what fourteenth in the West. And I mean, they, it's early still, but you still you have to start stringing some games together, or else you're going to be in a situation where, like I said last week, you're it's too you you're putting yourself too far behind to get at least into the play in. So, um, yeah, that's really my biggest thing. They got to start stringing games together now. Yeah, for sure. And I like what you said because I, like I said, opening up. There have been a lot of issues defensively throughout the season, I feel like, but I do think they have cleaned it up a little bit. Uh, I do think at the end of that Heat game, there were just like some questionable decisions defensively. I don't know if it's a coaching thing. I don't know if it's players making mistakes or whatever. Uh, But really like on that last possession, uh, like I know that like going down the stretch, the Grizzlies have been down by eight and they had trapped on those previous two possessions, ended up getting steals getting out and running. And I feel like that makes sense when you're down by eight with like a minute left. But then when you actually get those turnovers and you get it to a three-point game, I feel like, and you have 35 seconds left, I feel like that's when you should be playing straight up defense instead of trying to trap and force a turnover. Because I I know obviously you'd love to force a turnover every time, but it's like if you can just get a stop there, you get the ball back down three with 11 seconds left you know you're gonna have to shoot a three regardless so I would have liked to see them not trap at the end of that Miami game and I don't know if that was something that Taylor Jenkins if if that's something that Taylor Jenkins said that he wanted them to do or if that's something that it was like a mistake on defense or whatever but if that's what coach Jenkins asked him to do I would disagree with that and then if and, and if it's just a mistake it's just like you can't have a mistake at the end of that game but yeah, trapping at the end of the game is not what ended up losing them the game because it was probably it was already pretty much out of reach, not completely out of reach, but they probably weren't going to win that game regardless. Once it got to that point, it would have been an amazing comeback. But just like the little things like that, I feel like are holding the team back from going to the next level. I also think that like the offense is the main issue now, uh, just because it seems like every time the Grizzlies do string together a couple stops, like in the past couple games, the Grizzlies have done a much better job at stringing together multiple stops. And it feels like they might get three or four stops in a row and they might be down by two. Like in, in that Miami game, they had cut the lead to two and I'm pretty sure they made like three or four consecutive stops. And then on the other end, you just can't score to get over the hump. And it's just like those – and it's really about moments. Like that's what I – I heard a lot of people talk about this, and I do agree. I think a lot of it comes to – come down to like they haven't won the big moments of the game. Like they'll make the comeback, and right when it's like this is the moment where you got to hit the big shot or this is the moment where you take the lead and make your run and all that, they just don't do it. Like, And I think that's been the main issue is just like they haven't made those timely shots like they have in the past. They don't have anybody to really go to in those situations, uh, especially if it's a situation when John and Bain aren't on the floor or not John, when Jaron and Bain aren't on the floor. Uh, obviously, John's not going to be there, too. So I think they're still also trying to recover from that because so often in the past, whenever it's time to make that big run or whenever it's time to take the lead, that's when you give the ball to John Morant and tell him to go make a play. And they and, and they've relied on that a lot and they can't rely on that right now. And I think it's kind of uncovering some of the issues that they have just overall, uh, not just with injuries, but with some coaching decisions and other stuff as well. 
I think Ja covers a lot of that up. And I think without that, we're starting to see like we're starting to see some other stuff come up to the surface a little bit more. Well, yeah, I think that also goes to the point I was trying to make last week is like, again, like you get everybody gets a blame in this, right? Like I always said, but you got blame fires. And that's why one of the biggest reasons why I said is like the whole that climate thing is because you said like, again, like even though Ja's been out, a lot of this, like I think somebody brought it up to me, but Ja could be hurt and we still have the same issues. It's just that Ja's being out, being, you know, him being a, it being a suspension is what hurts like it's not an injury but even then like you said he masked up a lot of things that would still be a problem anyway like even though Jago would be playing or you have you know Jago get a bucket you still would have a lack of shooting you know what I mean like everybody I'm not gonna say everybody but you go look at the Grizzlies shooting percentages like the only really good two are like Jaron and Bain and Bain is shooting I think like 33% from three like that's low for him and now granted there's a lot of context behind why he's shooting that low percentage right now but, like, even then you go around the line, like, it's like, I think David Roddy's at, like, 29%. I think Luke, obviously, who's been getting better the last couple of games, I think he's at 31%. Like, you know, and a lot of – you see a lot of low 20s or, like, like high 20s, low 30 percentages, and that's just not going to work. Um, so, I think, at least from the offensive standpoint, like, you just got to get more players that can score. Because I think with Jenkins, like, again, he does – I've seen a lot of criticism, and while I do understand it, like, at least offensively for me, I think the process is fine. They just have the personnel that fits the process because they get a lot of open looks, but they don't have a lot of players that can make shots. And so that's why the other stuff that is a problem, whereas, you know, guarding, you know, like three-point line or like you said, with the adjustments that they might, you know, little decisions they might have here and there, it costs you more because, like, again, I keep coming back to it, margin of error they don't have. Because uh, I think Jenkins, again, talked about it yesterday um, with, the I think, the BAM adjustment talking about, like, him getting, you know, you know, he got a lot of good looks. And I felt like, you know, they made, you know, he shot some tough shots. But to a certain degree, for the most part, a lot of those jumpers were too easy. And now, granted, I do think part of it, I think a lot of those were on Bismack. And I'm not trying to give, uh, again, you know, Jenkins, like, no blame. But, like, Bismack is new. So, I I mean, he has guarded Bam before. But, again, he might have, I guess that could have been a game plan or just Bismack didn't respect his jumper or whatever the case may be. Either way, there was a couple times where he just get into rhythm, like, and was able to just get whatever he wanted offensively. Um, but yeah, I just think that you know they really don't have, like you said, the the margin errors or like the stuff they they have to clean up stuff. Like their process in terms of how they get their system together has to be faster because we I think I said it last week with Sean Coleman, like they gave up a lot of threes, but they always do that at the beginning of the year and then they somehow fix it. And then the same with the offense. The offense, I'm going to say start slow, but they start looking better as the season goes along. Problem is they need to basically make that process be accelerated and it needs to happen more sooner than later uh, because now you're going to get the same stuff like we're talking about with these adjustments that they are not making and it costs you. You know, like, whereas, again, like you said, the three at the end of the game, that didn't really cost you per se. Uh, but, again, the double probably wasn't the best thing to do, especially because I think it was Kyle Lowry who they doubled. Like, you could have just left him one-on-one, even though he's having his best game of the season. You probably could have left him one-on-one. And, I mean, again, they gave it to a guy that I think before, if I'm not mistaken, he only shot or made, like, six threes on the season out of, like, 20-something. He just hit a big shot. So, you know, you got to give him credit. But there were certain things in the game they could have adjusted to. But, like you said, they just – it's hard, man. It's hard. It's hard to 
find a way. Like, it's hard to find a way because, you know, you got to find any little advantage. Um, and so, you know, they just got to figure it out. I mean, again, you either players got to play better. Well, and players got to play better in the sense of this. Like you said, timely momentum shots. Because um, I think that's the really big, only thing I can say for Bain and Jaron is that there have been times where they'll make or, or they'll have a shot that's really key and they'll miss it. And I'll be like, man, that's a big miss. Like I think yesterday they were either up by one or down by one. I think they were up by one. And I think Bain missed a wild over three, and I felt like that was a big miss. I felt like that's really the biggest thing. They're missing the, the swing momentum plays, the key shots, timely shots. Like they haven't been able to get those plays consistently. They've made stuff where they'll have a couple possessions in a row. Like I think out of the half, I think Bain and Jaren scored like the first eight. And that got them back in the game. But you need it even at the end of the game where it's like a one or two possession game and you got to hit that shot. Especially now, like I said, there's no margin of error. So if you miss it, it just feels like you're fighting behind the eight ball even more just to come back or keep the lead. So um, I think that's really the biggest thing for me is they, they got to make more timely momentum plays because – and not just them, the players in general too because I think there was a couple times in get past games where David Roddy missed a layup and we were up by two or three and then the momentum just halted. And then there was one where I think Bain had a turnover and then it led to an end where, like, stuff just got halted. They would build momentum, like you said, and then it'd be stopped. And so I think that's really the biggest thing is that they got to have more timely plays um, consistently because it's not like they haven't had them at all. But, again, it's just consistent because, like, they, that's why they keep saying, like, they be in these games, but they haven't gotten over a hump. So, you know, and, again, they did in the Portland game, that one Portland game, but they didn't do it last night. So, you know, they still got to figure it out, again, like, because I don't think any – big outside you know there might be changes and tweaks to the lineup but in terms of like roster moves i don't see any you know as soon as possible like that probably won't happen until a couple months from now because of you know how contracts work and everything so a lot of it has to be on the players and coaches to figure it out whether that's changing the philosophy and schemes or lineups and players just playing better so um yeah they got to really figure it out yeah for sure i'm going to go back to the thing you said about bam too because I think that was probably the thing that was the most confusing thing to me was not, not like I said, I'm, I don't know exactly if it was on Bismack himself, not getting up on to Bam on those situations, or if that was like a scheme thing, but if that's a scheme thing, it doesn't make any sense. Cause Bam Adebayo is known for being a mid range jump shooter. And I'll be honest, like Alex, I wouldn't give you or me the shots they were giving Bam some of those nights. I'm like, dang, like he's wide open at the free throw line. You're in the restricted area. I'm like, man, I'm like, I take that shot to every time. And I'm not even bam out of bio. Like, dude is wide open at, at, at the free throw line. And I'm like, dude, you can't give him that shot. And the, like, you just can't, you can't give any, you can't give NBA players that shot, man. Like, that's, it's just that simple. And I think that was the infuriating part because it would be one thing if it was somebody who's not known for shooting mid-rangers or somebody it was like, you know, if it's the other way around and if it's somebody like Bismack on the other side, you know, he doesn't really shoot like that. I get it. But Bam Adebayo is known for defense and shooting. Like that's, that's his second, that's, that's like his number one thing he's known for on offense is being able to hit a mid-range jump shot. And not only does it happen once, I think it had to happen at least like four times where he was just completely wide open. Nobody got a hand up in his face at all. And then after after the game, Coach Jenkins said he made tough shots. I'm like, okay, he might have made one or two. But, I mean, he was making wide open mid-ranges and free throws, man. 
Like most of the game, that's what he was doing. So in terms of like scheme stuff, like that would be the one thing where it's like, if I could ask Coach Jenkins about that, I'd be like, so is that something you did? Or uh, like as much as I do love Biz, I hope that it was just Biz making a mistake. Because if the scheme was to leave Bam out of bio open, we have much bigger problems. So I'm really hoping it was just Bismack making a mistake. Uh, and as you know, new <laughs> new team, everything like that. But like that has to be the number one thing on the scouting report when you're playing a guy like Bam out of bio. Uh, so yeah, like, and then I, like I keep saying, it's really the moments. And I feel like th- those were moments too, because those wide open jumpers that he was ma- making, a couple of those were in the third quarter when the Grizzlies were making that run. And you're down by one or two, and now you give up a wide open jumper. Like that's what he's known for. So now you're back down by four. And then it and it just like everything always just continues to compound on everything else. Uh, but I did want to move on a little bit to the wing position in general because we came into the season talking about like the young wings and the wing position was gonna definitely be a problem, I feel like. Uh, or you're gonna need big jumps from somebody there whether it was Zaire, whether it was Roddy and LaRavia. Last week we said we haven't gotten that jump from all of them uh, or really any of them. So that is an issue. I think that with some, like with more health and everything, and obviously when Ja comes back, it will change up the rotation a little bit. So maybe you end up seeing Zaire coming off the bench and that changes things. But as a starter, Zaire just hasn't been the, like he hasn't been as good as you would have hoped for him to be, especially after how good he looked in the preseason. Uh, I feel like on defense, like in one-on-one situations, I feel like he's been pretty solid, but in terms of like the overhelping, it's not just on Zaire, like the whole team has an issue with overhelping, but I feel like it's a lot of times when somebody's out of position, it has been Z. Uh, So I feel like Z does get a little bit out of position when he's fighting over screens or, knowing who to switch on to and stuff like that. Once he does get switched on to them, like when he was, he he had a good stretch where he had one-on-one defense on Jimmy Butler. And once he actually got into that scenario where he was one-on-one with the shot clock going down on Jimmy Butler, he was fine and forced misses, forced an air ball and did all kinds of stuff. But it's just like in those other scenarios, he hasn't been as good when it comes to rotations and stuff like that. But you could say that for the team as a whole, but I feel like that's kind of stood out to me for him. As for Roddy, uh, he's he's not a catch-and-shoot guy. Like, I feel like they're trying to turn him into a catch-and-shoot guy when he's that's not really the way his game needs to be for at this time. I don't think he's a consistent enough shooter for them to kind of just sometimes put him in the corner like that. I have liked a lot of what Roddy has done when he either puts the ball on the floor and finishes through contact and when he gets to that little turnaround, mid-range, close-range thing, like when he gets into that kind of stuff, he looks a lot better on offense. Uh, defensively, he's had some issues just like everybody else, but I don't think it, he's the main issue when he's out there defensively. Uh, th- there's a lot of stuff you could bring up on the defense for anybody on the team. Uh, but, yeah, I just feel like when they when he hasn't been asked to be like a straight catch-and-shoot player, he's been okay. Uh, at least on offense. And then as for Jake, like I said last week, I know he hasn't been playing. Uh, I think the biggest the, the biggest thing that shows the level that Jake has been playing at is that the Grizzlies are down all these players and he still hasn't been getting minutes. He was getting DMP coaches' decisions. Uh, 
and you've got guys on two-way contracts playing more minutes than him, and he was a first-round pick. And that's not something that the Grizzlies have done in the past. Like last year, Jake, when Jake was healthy, they did everything they could to at least get him in the game. So I think that just kind of shows where the coaching staff in general is on Jake right now. Uh, because when you have all these level of guys out uh, and the wing position is one of the, your positions of need and he still isn't getting minutes, I think that just shows you that he's not ready right now. So we'll see what they decide to do when it comes to if they're going to move on or if they're going to send him to the G League. I know he's probably going to play a lot in the G League a little bit more. But, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff that, uh, in terms of the wing position, that there's still more questions than answers, I feel like, so far this season. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. And, again, I, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but, it, again, it all falls back to the man who makes the decision, Mr. Mr. Zach Klobin himself. Because, again, I mean, I said it in the offseason. I think I said it here. Like, that's why I was clamoring for, like, a – veteran quote-unquote wing uh to be the guy that they traded for now obviously because we were losing Dylan but like in the simple fact of a lot of the wings that you have which we're talking about are first or well one's the third year guys I hear but the other guys are second year guys and like I said last week a lot of these guys don't know what their game is or what their NBA skill set is and they're dependent on to play this many minutes and have this big of uh, like significant roles already and so when they don't their bad play matters a lot more versus if they were like the 11th or 12th man, um, then it wouldn't matter. Now, granted, injuries have made them, you know, a bigger importance in the rotation, you know, has moved them up. But that's been my whole point is that you've had too many of those guys and you're depending on too many guys um, of that, you know, that still need development. Now, granted, a lot of these guys were productive. But again, here, at least from the wing issue, they just need to make more shots. That's really my main thing. The defense is going to be what it is. Zaire obviously has had some off-ball lapses, but it's not been bad enough to where I'm like, okay, like, you know, like, I mean, you know, or I'm like, oh, he can't play in this game. Like, maybe one, it was like that one Portland game. I think the second Portland game against Sharp, like, that was a bad matchup. But like, outside of that, I wouldn't really like, okay, like, he's been bad, bad. I, I will say his shooting has fallen off, so has Roddy's. I think Zaire's only shooting 31% right now. Uh, from three, and then Dave Roddy shooting 28%. Um, and that's just really not going to get it done at all. Like, they got to be more mid-30s. Um, because, again, from that spot, you know, most of them, they're going to get – I'm not going to say the bulk of the shots, but, like, especially if defenses are going to key in on Bain and Jaron and even Smart at times when he's dribbling penetrating, those guys are probably going to be the beneficiaries of open shots. And so, as simple as I continue to keep making it, they just got to knock them down. Um, and so, you know – I just think, you know, like you said, Roddy, he's been better at scoring at times. I do think the finishing can still be really inconsistent. Um, even though I have, like, some of the mid-post mid, mid post stuff, which I think that was in his college film from what I remember, um, I like what Zaire's done in spots. I really like Zaire's rebounding particularly. He's averaging six rebounds right now, uh, which, again, that's, I mean, from that spot we really haven't had, I mean, you know, I keep, I don't want to bring up a name from Dylan Brooks. But he's not on the roster no more, but, like, he's only having, like, two or three rebounds per year, whereas I hear that every six. Now, granted, a lot of that is, you know, there's really, you know, the minutes. But even then, eye test to me tells me he's chasing the ball a lot better in terms of rebounding. So, uh, but, yeah, I just think from for the wings, it's just making more shots. 
and just this roster in general. Like, it's really it. Because the defense, to me, is not really the biggest problem when I watch. Like, I don't watch it. I'm like, man, they can't get a stop. Now, there'll be some blown coverages, but it's not to the point where I'm like, man, they can't get a stop. For me, it's just about making shots. Can you make shots or not? That's, it's as simple as that. I know, you know, maybe y'all might want to drag that explanation. No, I don't really got nothing. Just make shots. When they make shots, it's going to make this team a lot better. When we saw Roddy, I think, have that one good game, the offense flowed a lot better. I think he had like 14 points. I think I think it was the first point in the game he had like that many points. Or something like that. It was like 12 to 14 points. And he, the offense looked a lot better. And that's what I think that was without, a, I think, Santi that game. So, you know what I mean? So, I think, um, you know, he's really got to make shots, man. That's really it. And those two in particular. And as for Jake, um, it's just, it's, you know, like you said, it's self-explanatory. If you're not getting minutes and you got G League guys or two-way guys getting more minutes than you, then it's kind of looking bleak. Now, granted, they've done this before with other people sending them down. I mean, we saw Tillman get sent down like third or last year, and he was in his like what fourth year, third or fourth year. I don't know the, the time, but either way, he was a guy that, you know, you usually don't send down to G League at that time. Um, so they've done it before, but like with Jake, um, yeah, it's just tough. I mean, again, because then again, you know, I think the, the thing with him – uh, is his whole value, not whole value, but well, real, well, actually, probably his whole value. Same with Luke. It's like you're shooters. You're supposed to be hypothetically shooters. And if you're not making shots, what are you offering? Not to say he can't offer anything rebounding wise or defensively and, you know, getting steals and blocks, but I don't think that's his main thing because he's still slow foot. He still fouls a lot. That's really a problem. He's been fouling a lot when he does play. Um, so that's just putting you in an even worse spot because now you, the more fouls you get, obviously, you're going to get in the bonus quicker. Um, so, you know, yeah, that, again, that, I just think that's the part of the problem. They just got too many young guys at that wing spot that they're trying to depend on. And I mean, they got to make more shots, but again, you know, the roster as constructed is making them be independent on, you know what I mean? Like Zaire hasn't been that bad to me or Roddy has, oh, Roddy's had his moments, but these guys haven't been like terrible, terrible, but it's the fact that we are depending on them more than what their skill set allows them to be dependent on right now is the problem. And so, um, yeah, that's I, I just think, you know, they haven't been particularly great. Um, you know, they got to be better. But, again, that, that's just the whole team. But from that spot, they just got to make shots, man. That's as simple as that. They make more shots consistently, the offense will probably look a lot different. Like, it, it'll, like I promise you, like a couple – and I'm not saying they got to make six threes. Like, you know, like Zaire didn't have to make six, seven threes. Just like two or three a game would boost this offense tremendously at times, especially if they're timely shots. Same with Roddy. So, yeah, that, that's really what it comes down to in, in my head. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, when it comes to the wings, I do want to, like, I don't know if we should add Marcus Smart into the wing conversation because I know he's shorter. But I feel like once Ja comes back and, like, because one of the issues is Marcus Smart is not a point guard. Like, I think that's what we've kind of seen. Like, he's not a true point guard. Kind of knew that coming in knew that he does have some juice with the ball in his hands and has been able to run the pick and roll effectively in the past. But there's a re like, I feel like he isn't just a true point guard. Right. And I feel like it, adding him and making him more of like a wing player who's like a secondary or even tertiary ball handler will help the wing position a lot more when Ja gets back. But since he's been having to, basically be the point guard on offense and then on defense he's guarding it's not always a wing player sometimes he's guarding guards but I think that on defense he really can help the wing position a little bit out but 
it's just going to be tough for him right now because he's basically he's playing point guard because he has to. Uh, not only do they not have John Morant, but Derrick Rose is out. So not only is he playing the starting point guard position, there's really not a ton backing him up. I think Jacob Gilliard has been okay in his minutes, but I feel like once Marcus Smart is back to his you know true position, which is as a wing, I think it will help a little bit more, or maybe not as a wing, but like as a, a guarding twos and threes a lot and being out there with other people that can handle the ball, I think is going to help him a lot. I know, Alex, you're going to say that you don't like short wings, and I get it, but like <laughs> at this point, it's just like what is what has to be done, man. Like that's just what's gonna what that's just what they're gonna have to do because they just don't have anything else. Like they don't have enough besides that. Like that's really their only option whenever Ja gets back. Now I know that some people have said that maybe Zaire should still start and bring Smart off the bench as a backup point guard or whatever, but I still like I, I'm just not sure if even as the backup point guard, that's the role you want Marcus Smart to be in just because I feel like he has struggled a little bit when it comes to like handling the ball and turnovers and stuff like that. And he hasn't shot the ball super well to start the season. So I think maybe moving him to like a more natural position where he's not the main ball handler would be good for him, but it's just hard for them to do that right now because they don't really have anybody else that can play point guard besides smart and Gilliard, even though that's not smarts main position. Yeah. Um, so I feel like Smart started the season particularly well. Uh, I think it was like with the first three or four games, but I feel like the last probably three games have been like, I won't say falling off a cliff, but I think because of how, like I keep bringing up how the roster set up and in terms of the injuries and how it's constructed with the lack of offense, the stuff, the stuff or the games that he's had and the shots and maybe the turnovers are more magnified because again, it's no margin of error. And so Smart, which I already knew, has tendencies of taking bad shots. It, it's not a surprise. Everybody knows this. That's watch Martin Smart, whether you've watched him now, first time watching him. Like, he's always taking some hero ball shots. Now, part of that right now is that we can't afford those shots, but at the same time, who else is going to take them? So it's kind of like, eh. Like, I don't really, you know. Like, there was a couple shots that he had last night where he got into the mid post and he took, like, a fadeaway. And I'm like, Oh, well, we could maybe got a better shot. But then I think about it, I'm like, we probably couldn't have got a better shot at that point. And so it's like, you know, you got to give or take. Um, and then on top of that, in terms of him being a main point guard, yeah, he's not a true point guard per se, obviously. Um, and I and I think, you know, people have said, like, if they had a true point guard, they'd be in a better state. It helped, but a lot of it still goes down to the shot making because, again, with Smart, like, he's not a true point guard, but he'll still find open guys. And so, you know, guys are not making shots. But – it does go to the point where he does have a bad turnover that hurts a lot more, especially if it's a live ball turnover and it leads to points off a turnover. So, um, yeah, I think when Ja gets back, he'll probably, you know, they'll just slide him to um, basically he'll, he'll be the two lined up, but he'll be guarding twos and threes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, he's more better as a secondary playmaker than he is the main playmaker, which is why I think he'll look better when Ja's back. Um, and maybe, you know, um, obviously in a different role. I think he'll be the – or could be the quote-unquote backup point guard, but he won't come off the bench. Because I think Zaire had to take a bigger leap than what he did for me. Now, granted, if Zaire next, what, 20 or 17, 20 games is like averaging like 15 points a night, 
then hey, maybe, but like if he's the same Zaire, we'll probably just push him to the bench and then obviously they'll start the uh job, uh smart and bane lineup. And I mean that's cool if they do that. I mean that that's what I probably thought anyway. Um but yeah, I think that'd probably be, you know, that's probably what they'll do or what they'll go with. Um but yeah, I mean I think smart has been well, he started off good and now it's kind of like stagnated in terms of offensive production. I think defense has still been there for the most part, but yeah. He's got to get more offense because he was through shooting the ball pretty well uh, to start, but now he's at 29% of the season. So now it's like, okay, now you got to start making some shots. Like, it's the same thing. And obviously, you got to take smarter shots, but he's got to make some. Like, he had a couple where there were easy shots and he missed. And so, again, like we said, with you can't afford a bad Bane and or Jaren game. I think mean, we had a bad Bane game last night. I think he only had 15. But you also can't afford a bad Smart game neither, too. Like, you can't have both of those. You may have one. And you can still maybe manage, but you can't have both. You have both. I think Smart only had like 10 points. And I think there was one time Smart took more shots than I think right after the end of the first quarter, he took more shots than Jaron and Bang combined. And I was talking about that last year. That can't happen. That have, I was saying that last year with Dylan Brooks. That can't happen. I don't care what it is. Even if he's making more, that can't happen. You got to get more shots to those guys. Now, granted, I think that's part of Miami's game plan um, in terms of how, because I think Bang was good and guarded a little different way. So he wasn't being as aggressive. Jaron just didn't make enough. So I think that kind of played a part in it. But even then, still, you got to find looks for those guys more. But, yeah, I mean, I think with Smart, um, he's got to pick up his offensive game first, um, you know, because, again, we're going to need it. Because even though we got Luke and Santi back, which is a boost, but we're going to need him to score. Like, it's just point blank simple. We're going to need him to get back to where he was, where he's getting, like, I think he had 20 in the first two, three games. Like, he's got to get to that um, for us to even, you know, get to the point where we're scoring at least at a competent rate, especially if you're going to have guys that can't, like, you know, at the wing still not making shots um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think he's got to be better offensively. Um, but, yeah, um, that's really about it for me. Just, you know, offensively he's got to be better, but it's hard because, again, just how the roster and stuff set up. So it's not all his fault. But, again, like I always say, you, you know, it's just, you know, that's just the situation they're in. So he's got to be better. That's the only thing I can look at to get better at this point. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, moving on kind of from Marcus Smart, I did want to talk a little bit about the way Bismack Biombo has fit on the team so far, because I know I talked about him playing against Bam and how he did have some issues, but I think overall, I don't think you can really ask for more of what he's been given them so far, at least in the games that he has played. I think he's been really active on the glass. I think he's been really good on defense. And the lineups with Jaron and Biombo out there have been awesome defensively, especially at the rim. Like, they just really haven't given up much at the rim. I think he's been really good as a secondary rim protector to be out there with, with Jaron. And, you know, I think there's even sometimes where it's like Jaron and Biombo have been going up at the same time trying to block a shot. And it's just like you're not going to get past that. So I, I really like what he's done defensively. I really like what he's done as a rebounder. And I think we've also seen a little bit more of what he could do as a passer. Uh, so they're obviously playing him in the Stephen Adams role. He obviously can't do it to the level Stephen Adams does. But he's been good as a screener. He's been good as a passer when they've asked him to do it, even though he hasn't done it a ton. And I think he's been good on the glass and everything like that. So in terms of the role that Biombo is playing, I think that it's perfect for the Grizzlies. And I know he's not on... He, I know he's not on a fully guaranteed contract and they still have to guarantee his contract for the rest of the season. And until Ja comes back, he's on that suspended player exception. 
But I think it is going to – I think it's very clear that so far the way he's played, he needs to have his contract guaranteed because what he brings to the team is something the Grizzlies desperately need. And I don't know if what they're going to do to fix that. I don't know if somebody is going to end up getting waived. They're going to try to make a consolidation trade or something like that to open up a roster spot. But I think it's very clear that based on how he's played so far and based on the injuries they've had as well, that Biombo probably should be on the team for the rest of the season, or he should at least be guaranteed for the rest of the year so that they could maybe use him in a trade or something later in the year. But I think that even that, I feel like you get more value out of him playing if he plays the way he has these first couple games. Obviously, we're going to keep evaluating that going forward and everything, but I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that the way he's played to start, he should have that contract guaranteed. And if he keeps this up, I think he's going to be a big part of what this team is going to be, especially when Ja comes back, because I think that everything that he does will also kind of be, I, I think it'll be even better when Ja gets back, just because instead of setting those screens for Marcus Smart, he's going to be setting those screens for Ja Morant. And it's just going to make everything look even better when he's out there. And I think we've also seen him be a little bit better offensively than I was expecting. Granted, he hasn't really taken a lot of shots, which is not what you're asking for him. But in that heat game, I thought he did a good job as a roller, did a good job getting uh, really in the dunker spot, getting some good dunks and everything like that. Even had a nice little hook shot uh, from probably about maybe like eight, nine feet out that I thought was pretty good too. So it's nothing like too fancy with him. And you're not asking for him to do that. But if he's going to go out there and get you eight, nine points and 10, 11 rebounds every night, like that's exactly what you're going to need for, from him. And I think he does also add an added layer on defense just because him and Jaron both out there has been really good defensively. So I think that so far, the way that he's played, I think he's definitely going to get his contract guaranteed, like I said. Uh, but it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what they exactly decide to do and whether, like I said, whether somebody's gonna get waived, somebody's gonna get traded, uh, because they're gonna have to open up a roster spot for him based on these first couple games. Yeah, um, I've been pleased with Biombo's play. Um, obviously he didn't play in that first game. Uh well, I mean, the first game he was available. Like, he played him like Jenkins, played him like two seconds. Jenkins was trying to troll for, I guess, whatever reason, put him in, I think, at the end of the third quarter. I don't, I, I it's just funny to me. But again, I kind of get it because, again, this first game, he probably didn't understand the terminologies of what they had going on, schemes, all that. I get it. But that, that, again, the last two games, he's been really good. Like, that first game, I think he had like eight points, 11 rebounds, and like two blocks. Like, he was really good. Um, and again, uh, shout out to uh, my boy Sane, shout out to Anthony Sane. I think he said it a couple weeks ago, or what? I think he said it right when the Adams injury happened. But basically, when you have a guy that can rebound, set screens, and you know play defense at that position at the center spot, usually, or at least they might not have all of that, but if they have at least two of those things, you're usually good. That's what history has shown, at least in this era of basketball. If you have that center next to Jaron, um, then you're usually all right, and and that's kind of shown. I felt like they've played together well. But I think the different dynamic that he offers is like what you talked about. It's like the rim protection. Like he actually is a rim protector. And as he's not at like the craziest athlete, but for a guy that's like six eight, six nine, he's pretty athletic. Like and he has long long wingspan. So like, you know, he's not just a, he he might be six eight, but he plays more six ten, six eleven. So 
uh, because of the athleticism and the wingspan and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the last two games of the start, I think he's had 10 rebounds and then 11 rebounds the other games. So, like, he's been rebounding well. Um, obviously, I think he's had some fouls here and there. And, again, offensively, I'm not expecting too much. Like, that's not his game. Like, he, he'll drop the ball a lot at times if you don't hit him with a good pass or something. And that happens. Like, I, I expected that. But he never – he knows his role. That's why I keep talking about players, role NBA role players. Like, just having competent role players helps out because with him, he knows his role, and he won't get out of his role for anything. He's not going to shoot no threes. He's not going to take five hook shots a game. Like he knows what he does well. And so that helps them, especially, you know, for a team that needs anything that can create more margin of error. Like, so I think he had a couple big offensive rebounds the last game, um, and I think that will continue to happen. Um, you know, he had a couple big dunks, a couple big plays, like stuff like that. Little momentum play is going to help. Um, and like you said about the contract, I really think, yeah, um, obviously we'll get into that another time whenever it gets up here. I mean, I kind of have an idea what they might do. do I, me just guessing. I don't know anybody in the front office, obviously. But, like, I kind of have an idea what they would do. Like, I'm pretty sure they're going to keep him. I don't think they're – they didn't sign him just to sign him for five days, especially how the roster looks and what you need at that spot. No, nah, he's going to stay probably. Only way he doesn't stay is if he got hurt, obviously, and that would be a bummer. Or he just plays – that bad, like, you know, fouling out in, like, 10 minutes or something. But, like, he's been pretty well. Like, if he continues to play like this, yeah, he's going to be here for the rest of the season. If not, be a trade piece for another move uh, they make at the deadline. Because, again, that's why they gave him the $5 million instead of, like, the vet men because of that reason. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been I've been cool with how he fits. He fits a need. Um, but, again, we still need more. That's great. You know, I like it. You know, I'm cool that they, they got him. But it's like, hey, we still need more. And that's not saying him. We, I mean, we might need more from him, but we, we just need more from everybody in general. Because, again, he helps, but it doesn't fix the main problem, at least in my, pro, in my opinion, is the offensive part of it. Like, he helps get you more opportunities to score offensively, but he's not scoring those points a lot of the time. Or he's not taking the three that you need to be manufactured. So, guys like what we talked about with Zaire, Roddy, Smart, like those guys, they got to just make more shots. Bain, all those guys gotta make time more time he plays. So, but he does help though. I'm not saying he doesn't help, but just need more. But I mean, this is a good start. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I, I expect him to still be a fixture. I expect him to be a a big rotation piece this, piece this whole season. Um, you know, I would not. You know, I don't really see any reason why he wouldn't. It just for me, just the stuff that he does and what he does is, and especially at that money, it just it's it's hard for me to see them say, okay, he's we're going to cut him. Like, no, they're going to cut somebody else or they're going to make a trade. Um, and they're going to, you know, they're going to figure that out. Um, and if not, they might have already have it figured out. They're just waiting to do it. Because, again, they don't have to do it until another month from now or so. So, but, yeah, I, I think he's played well. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like that you said um, they are still going to need more, obviously. I feel like Biombo is it was kind of like, it fixes one issue that you needed, which you needed a little bit more size and you needed more rebounding. But like we said, when they first signed him, he's not going to fix the issue offensively. So I feel like Biombo was like the first step. And then there are probably still going to be either some more steps, whether that's more moves or just players being better, or like you said, making more shots, but they're going to need more offensively. And I'm not looking at biz to do that at all. Like that's, that's not his game. That's not what they need from him. Uh, but I do think that they are going to need more offensively. Uh, so, yeah, like like I said, he he fixes one of their issues, but not all the issues. Uh, but 
As always, I do want to say thank you to everybody who listened to this week's episode of the Next Gen Podcast here on the Bluff City Media Podcast Network. Uh, at least they got a win in this last week. That's the one thing I will say. Uh, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, we'll get to have some more wins to talk about and maybe be a little bit more positive going forward. But as look, all we can do is break down the games as they come. And so far, it just has been a really disappointing start to the season for the Grizzlies. Hopefully they can find a way to turn it around and at least, you know, string a couple games together before Dry gets back. But as always, I was joined by my co-host, Alex Winton. I'm Bryson Wright, and we will see y'all on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Next Gen Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a like and a comment wherever you download your podcasts. Head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co where you will find comprehensive coverage of all things Memphis sports and how you can become an insider. We'll see you back here next time.